Glad to be back in the cuppy room here at World Cup Coffee and Tea for another OMN Coffee Shop Conversation. I'm Tom D'Antoni. Also very glad to bring back Lloyd-Jones, who has been bringing us blues and soul since dinosaurs ruled the earth. He was last here way back in June of 2015. We've been doing these things for a while, haven't we? <laughs> Whether he's singing, guitar slinging, or playing Delta Blues on his trusty Martin acoustic, he's one of the guardians of the groove. He's been to Europe again, and well, everywhere except fishing. He performed at the very first Waterfront Blues Festival, and when he's not on the road, he plays all over town, as he always has. Let's catch up with Lloyd-Jones. Welcome back to the cupping room here at the World Cup Coffee and Tea, Northwest 18th and Gleason, where we do these things. Glad you were here. You were here a long time ago. Uh-huh. Re- not relatively. Well, I still am old. Relatively, it was yesterday, uh-huh. but it was in 2015. All right. That's not that long ago. No, I can just, remember that far back. It just seems like it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's harder for me to remember 2015 than it is for me to remember 1963. They're starting to get all jumbled together. Now it's just one big, long year that's really, really long year. <laughs> and when you were here, you were all excited about going to Europe. Well, I'm always excited about going to Europe. Though. I bet. Yeah. Where, where do you go? There's a band in Denmark, Esbjerg in Denmark, uh-huh. uh, named uh, uh, Shaky Ground, they're called. They have, they, uh-huh. A couple of the band members work in a, a performing arts center called Tobakken in uh-huh. Esbjerg, Denmark, and they know what they're doing. And they've got this funky group uh-huh. that has the same instrumentation as mine, trumpet, tenor, uh-huh. guitar, bass, drums, and keyboards. Yeah. It's like a parallel universe. Even the personalities <laughs> are similar on each instrument, but they're great fellas. Uh-huh. And for some reason, they heard my music, contacted me, asked if I wanted to come to Denmark seven years ago. And uh, I always end those conversations by saying, send me a plane ticket and a deposit, and I'll send you the charts. And they did. Whoa. And when I got there, they rehearsed 10 hours. They're, wow. They're right on top of it, the nicest people to work with. And I still enjoy it a lot, and I'll be going back next summer again. Whew. So I, I love it. But not this summer. I just got back. Uh, you this, did? This year we did. Uh, ah. I went in April. Uh-huh. And uh, this, for the first time, the, the year before, we did uh, uh, um, Holland... Germany, Luxembourg, Sweden, Norway. This time it was all in Denmark, but they were consecutive nights, 13 consecutive shows, really well organized, and, uh, and we get a chance to develop the material. I brought a bunch of new tunes. They asked for five uh-huh. new tunes, and, and I got on it and got, got that together and developed charts. I don't care. It's okay. It's, it's... And, uh, it, you know, I, just they work hard. They have a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's so together, you get spoiled. I mean, there's a tour bus, and you'll get to the next town. Um, you'll get there 4 o'clock, sound check set up, 5 o'clock dinner, and then you do two one-hour shows with a half-hour break to sell CDs, sell out of everything I have, sold-out show. Wow. I can come play in Portland for free, and two people won't show up. <laughs> people in Portland don't come out to music anymore. I mean, I grew up here, and I remember yeah. live music in 30 clubs all night, seven nights a week. Right. And now... No, they're, they're at Costco getting new phones. They're not going out to hear music anymore. So it's nice to have another world to exist, and I love living here, but yeah, yeah. it's not the same thing. Wow. You could work a lot more if you lived in Denmark, couldn't you? Probably. Yeah. yeah. No, you know, I've got a nice... Do you speak the language? No, and I'm, I'm, just, a, I'm just a hideous person for not learning it. They asked me <laughs> last time, they said... So how's your Danish coming along? And I said, oh, man, it doesn't really come up where I live. Because I felt bad. <laughs> so I learned how to say, uh, 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 hello, how are you? you know, and, yeah. and then they made me make a video of saying hello in Danish <laughs> to all the towns I'm going to be in. And then they would play this before each thing. And I would do a little blurb about each town and, and say it in Danish. And I practiced it every day, and now I couldn't tell you what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when, when, uh, when musicians would, would make promos for radio stations? Oh, yeah. And they would go, hi, I'm what's-the-name, and when I'm in town, I listen to... Exactly. And they just leave it off. Oh. And then you just play the jingle. 
right. I have a James Brown one of those. Yeah, man. Hi, this is James Brown. And when I'm in, when I'm in town, I listen to. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I play that on a radio show That's sometimes. Nice. Well, it was a, a video version of the same thing. Yeah, I set it yeah. up down in my music room. I had to set the phone up on a chair pointing and, and practice. You know, and I had, I'd write each one out ahead of time and read it off there and get my words right. And I'll bet they're laughing their ass off when they heard my version of things. <laughs> my version of Danish was so hideous. I, it's probably there's an umbrella in your fish. I don't know. It's just nonsensical problem. <laughs> Or uh, you, 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 could, you could combine that with uh, Maceo Parker's elephant stepped on my foot. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I saw a post on Facebook from t- Tony Coleman. Yes. And he was, it was a picture of him and Maceo. All right. And I just said, uh, and I, and I answered, I said, make sure the elephant doesn't step on your foot. <laughs> and Tony gave me the next line of the song back. All right. Tony's cool that way. That's great. Oh, that's great. I haven't seen Tony in too long. <laughs> Over the past year, I've become obsessed by that song. All right. I have given it to people, and it has become instant earworms. Nice. Nice. Elephant stepped on my foot. <laughs> I'll have to get with it. I'll have to because, educate me. Because, you see, if you say that, I don't care how unfunky you are as a human being. If you say that, elephant stepped on my foot, you automatically become funky. All right. It's true. I got work to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, what else is new? Well, it's been, after I got back, it's been a great year because when I came back from Denmark, yeah. I got in touch with a fellow. I've been doing these double McClinton Sandy Beaches cruises over the years. Uh-huh. And, and then I didn't for a while, and I, I Delbert had a, a triple bypass surgery. Ooh. And shortly after that, Anson Funderburg came into one of my gigs and, said, and we were talking about Delbert. And he said, oh, he's doing great. I, matter of fact, um, he's recovered enough and he's playing gigs and he hired me to play some gigs, is what Anson says. And I said, oh, man, I'm so glad he's doing better. He says, you should call him. Yeah. So I called him up and he said, he's, you know, he's really friendly these days and he's kind of got a little more elbow room and time and he's mellowed out a lot and... and uh, well, it happens to people who have heart bypasses. Different attitude toward yeah. things. So yeah. I call him up, and he's in a great mood, and he says, you know, you and Kathy ought to come on a cruise just as guests. So I go there, and I've played a lot of years and had a lot of friends. So I'm just sitting, I'm just a guitar slut sitting in there. But the first people I run down, though, is Big Joe, the Dynaflows, with Anson playing guitar, because ah, Anson was the one who got me to make the call. Anson Funderburg. Anson Funderburg. Yeah. So I go to say thank you and say hi to Anson. And I walk into the room, and he goes, hey, Jones, here, play one, and hands me his guitar, plugged into the amp, and the band's staring at me like, who is this guy? And I just kind of went, uh, uh, what you want to do? So I, I did a couple of tunes, and Delbert walked in the room and came running up in the bandstand, gave me a big hug, and, and said hi, and, and the band goes, eh, I guess he's all right. <laughs> well, the, his guitar, I mean, his keyboard player, Kevin McKendry, is brilliant, and he's a great producer. And he says, you should come out to my place and record. I said, I don't have any money. Well, you should come out anyway. But I don't have any money. Yeah. Well, you should come out. Well, I bought Delbert's new record, and I bought Big Joe's new record and stuff. And I'm at home driving along, and I'm playing them. And I go, man, this new record of Delbert's, it's really well produced because it captures his character. Uh The songs come across. They're really different from what you're used to. More ballads. Uh-huh. More ballads and oh, salads. Oh, he does great ballads. Oh, he's, he's amazing when he does ballads. Are, are deep as ever. And you just feel a little closer to the guy, you know? And I went, yeah, great production. Who produced this? Kevin McKendry. Uh-huh. Then I put Big Joe's record in, and it's just killing me. I'm loving it. Big, or, uh, Kevin McKendry produced it. So I get on the phone and say, all right, I'm coming out. Yeah. So I go out there. Where was I, that? Hmm? Where did you have to go? And that's out in Nashville. He lives out in Nashville. Wow. And he's got this little, he built a room, a studio, uh-huh. up back of his house, a whole building just for that. And I'm looking at this little funky place, and uh, I said, did Delbert's whole band fit in this room? And he says, well, we're just like this there, and then that closet, Delbert would stand in the closet there. <laughs> and he didn't like headphones, so he just opened the door of the closet, and then shut the door when he wasn't singing, and then opened the door to sing. And, uh, okay. Well... This guy does a lot. Of, he's been on uh, the last three Buddy Guy records. He's 
for production, and uh -huh. uh, he's got like six Grammys. He's got uh, he, he plays with Bonamassa. He plays with Brian Setzer and Delbert, uh -huh. and he's just like a first call guy for a lot of these people in the studio and touring because in Nashville uh -huh. it's a music hub. There's Music Row and there's 30 studios. Yeah, and there's so much industry besides country music that's. It's changed. There's no other town like it. If you huh. want to be serious about songwriting and about making music, yeah. that's the hub. And so it opened my eyes and ears. And he took me around to all these places, took me over to Gary Nicholson's house, who produced a lot of Delbert stuff and, and makes a living producing and songwriting. Mm -hmm. He says, you want to go over to Gary's house? I went, yeah, I know Gary. Yeah. I haven't seen him in Yeah. And we go over there and just start tearing it up like kids. I can't believe with all the schedules they have, yeah. the the that they have time to have fun like that. Yeah. And they were so, you know, supportive and open. They said, well, play something. And I'd start to play. And, and uh, Gary would start typing away on his laptop. And, and, uh, <laughs> and Kevin's playing a little Wurlitzer and he's killing it, you know. And get done. And he says, okay, now go back and add an F-13 over there, but only do it on the first verse. Don't do it anymore after that. Then, then uh, <laughs> hang on to one after that second verse. Just hang there for a minute. And I'm just going, okay. And I'm playing. And, looking at him and, and he's typing away and I didn't realize what he's doing uh -huh. so we did this till like 2 or 3 in the morning and the next day we get in the studio and Kevin says well how did you like that stuff and I said well you know I have to think about it it was fun and he said well, well no did you listen to it I said what do you mean he said he was sending it to your phone <laughs> I said what he was singing and typing what he was singing into the phone and he had form the chord changes what I'm doing coming yeah. through the microphone yeah. And I went back and listened to the whole thing and went, you know, it's all there. I like the lyrics. He came back in that little, that, that little breakdown section. I mm -hmm. like um, where he took that. And uh, the form is all there. And finally, Kevin says, thank you. I thought you weren't getting it at all. And uh, <laughs> I thought we it nailed it and it's done. And I went, oh, <laughs> it is. I like it. So it's, now it's written by Gary Nicholson, uh -huh. uh, 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 Kevin McKendry, and Lloyd-Jones. But it was such a nice thing to work with people. I don't have that community here. I usually write the song at home and then yeah. bring it to people and show them how to go. Right. And so to be in an environment that just gets you all lit up, and he's so business savvy that he says the next day, he says, I've got to mix down this. He just finished um, recording John Hyatt's record there. Wow. And John Hyatt's drummer is making dinner. And I mean, it's just like a neighborhood, you know? Yeah. And he says, now tomorrow I'm going to be mixing from 10 to 2. Then at 2, let's meet out in the back porch and I want to hear two more songs. You need two more songs. <laughs> and I had until 2 tomorrow afternoon to get two more songs. I have never worked so hard. It's all I did. That day and night, he let me stay in that little house in the back. And, wow. And, I just, and he's got guitars all over the place. And I worked and worked. Finally, he says, well, let me hear it. And I said, well, this is my first time all the way through it and stuff. And I just got the lyrics sketched out here. And I, I played it. And he goes, yeah. No, that's a good topic. That's a good subject. That's, that's well constructed. All right. Tomorrow at noon, I'm going to get behind the board, and you're going to play all 13 songs, top to bottom. Uh -huh. And so I got some serious homework done. Wow. So this, now I'm very excited about all this new material. There's only one catch. Yeah. I don't have any money. Remember right. that? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so my job now is to learn how to develop funding. I've got to pay for musicians and studio time and engineer and all those things in real life cost money. So now my new adventure is I've got to learn how to do a Kickstarter, one of those things, yep. and develop yep. funding. And these guys, they just, if there's a barrier, they yeah. face it and overcome it. So it's new territory. I'm going to Canada with some new players, and my hands are full for the next two, three weeks, getting all that material, the song list done, uh -huh. charts out, uh -huh. and and all the traveling planes and rental cars and stuff. But when I get back, my number one priority will be fundraising. So I might be back saying, hey, I need to tell the world. You can do it. I'll, you know, this is a great opportunity. Thirteen-year-olds can do it. Lloyd? Well, they get an opportunity <laughs> to play with these people in this environment yeah. at that level, and they're, they're right on it. He's already picked out the band, the time. I just got to get the money. Yeah. Wow. So I'm hoping my family and friends back home here in Portland, I can call on them now after all these years and say, hey, uh -huh. this is an opportunity, you know. What yeah. do you think? Yeah. I need your help. I need your help. I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. But it's pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Wow. So I'm, I'm motivated, and I'm kind of excited about the new tunes. 
Uh-huh. Last night I played a gig, uh, and it turns out there was no keyboard player there, and it was Ben Jones on bass and Carlton Jackson, just the three of us. Wow. And I don't do a lot of that. I either play a solo acoustic or a big band. Yeah. And uh, so it was treacherous for me to be everything, but I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to think like the acoustic gig, play it on electric guitar, <laughs> and then I'll go crazy when it's solo time. You know, I just, but I'll, I'll try and think big and slow. And those guys are such a thrill to play with. They're sparse. They give you elbow room. They're yeah. right there when you need them. And I walked out of last night going, that was some serious music. I played stuff that's never come out of me before because yeah, of right. those, those cats. And it reminds me that the human experience is still the best one. Oh, yeah. And know their phones are fun, and I'm glad you're having fun, and you all having fun with your phones, but I'd like to see you down in the human element at these you know, those interacting those two, in a human way that only can happen like that. Those two guys... Are very special human they? beings. They really are. Man, oh man. First of all, they're both as funky as you can possibly be. Well, they're brilliant on all styles. But they're also intellectuals. Yes. You know, they've and learned they've learned standards in so many styles, and they're so open-minded. Yeah. yeah. Musically, and mm-hmm. it's all music. People say, well, "I like this, but I don't like that." I, well, yeah. Listen again, because it's all the same. Mm-hmm. I had been in here a couple months ago. And, good, good, good. And he was great. I mean, he was really. I mean, it's not that I didn't. I mean, I've talked to him a million times, and I, I, and I really respect him. But I never got down the way we got down in here, cool. right? And he was brilliant. He's not only brilliant, he sings. People don't know how, oh, yeah. how great he sings. Yeah. The yeah. last recording I did with the full band, I had Ben mm-hmm. on, and he just tore it apart. But he also started putting parts, vocal, just volunteering vocal parts. Yeah. Then I thought, I'm, I'm going to bring LaRonda in. For some of these higher parts, uh-huh. you know, because she's uh-huh. got a cool texture about yeah. some of the high notes that blend better. Uh-huh. Well, he just stayed there and volunteered, and the three of us started singing uh. these things. Uh-huh. Oh, man, uh-huh. it was, it was uh-huh. goosebumps, and yeah, I, I yeah. still love that recording. Yeah, yeah, we, we, had, we had a good time in here, uh, and we, we always, re- whenever we see each other, we, we always, somehow, one of us always brings up that this, this one night at the, at, at the candlelight, when he was uh, playing with Gretchen Mitchell, remember all right, Gretchen? sure. And all of a sudden, I, 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 there were the three of us, Gretchen, me, and him. And I, I say to Gretchen, "Gretchen, do you know Pop That Thing by the Isley Brothers?" Oh man! And she says, "No." And Ben just goes, "Pop that thing, <laughs> bang, bang, bang." And it was, it was just this really funny moment, you know. His trivia. On that era, yeah. the 80s especially, oh, yeah. his yeah. trivia is astonishing. Yeah. You know, after a gig, we'll be at a restaurant, you know, somewhere out of town, and we'll go into the trivia thing, and, and he knows. <laughs> 80s disco thing was his his era. I know, but that wasn't disco. That was funk. And it'll come on the radio or something, and yeah. funk, yeah. And he, it'll come on the radio, yeah. and he'll just lose his yeah. mind, and he'll start, That's you know, funny. on our break, he'll just yeah, start yeah. playing to the radio. Yeah. Plus, he's got this whole gospel thing going, yep. you know. Serious Church, he turned me on to yeah. uh, uh, Daryl Coley. Uh-huh. Uh, more contemporary gospel guy that's yeah, yeah. like Miles Davis the gospel I mean he'll hit a half right. step above the chord mm-hmm. before it's going to hit and then mm-hmm. you think you think he hit the wrong note and then the chord resolves there you go mm-hmm. oh he was setting it up to fall on there yeah and I'll tell you the truth Carlton Jackson there couldn't be a, 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 a sort of political um, soul music show in the world uh, better in better hands than the one that Carlton Jackson does on KMHD. I have to agree. Yeah, I have to agree. He he knows the message so much. Yeah, he knows yeah, yeah. so much. I, okay, I'm watching late night TV. I'm watching that come yeah. on cable, and there's the old movie, the old Bullet comes on. Yeah, and what stops me in my tracks, uh-huh. besides the car chase, well. what stops me in my tracks is yeah. the full big band, and it's not on oh. one chase scene. Uh-huh. It's a full big yeah. band. Yeah. On the whole soundtrack. Who did that? Was Ask that Quincy, Carlton, Quincy Jones? Carlton. Oh, Carlton sent me all that. Um, but when I, so we're going to a gig, and I mentioned it to Carlton, and he starts yeah. telling me the names of everybody in the band, <laughs> who the arranger was, <laughs> the songs, and I said, you, I, "How is it you know everything?" He said, "When that came out, I bought the album." Oh, <laughs> well, that's why he knows so much great stuff. And uh, he'll call me up when I'm on when I'm on the air sometimes. Yeah, just to say, hey, man. The only person in the world who who, uh, who plays, um, oh, oh, hell, uh, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. Um, I just, the name has escapes me now. But uh, that who, that guy, uh, it'll, come, it'll come to me. Tomorrow, when I'm in the well, shower, sure. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> Stuck in traffic and all of yeah. a sudden. So, how, so how'd the Blues Festival do for you? 
The Blues Festival? Yeah. It was different this year, and it yeah. was different in a good way for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had reservations. I've done it 29 times. I, I had reservations I about what I would present and where and how because I have this new material I haven't had a chance to develop yet, mm-hmm. and I kind of want to hold off. And then uh, I got a call from these fellas, Bayou Boys, which was right. theoretically my band. I wanted to put yeah. that band together. It's all <laughs> my favorite players. Yeah. Uh, from Blackwells. So, yes, Steve Caron yeah. on piano, yeah. uh, Brian Foxworth on drums, uh-huh. Dave Call put it together, and uh, and I they're going to do this on Sundays. And I said, well, n- no, that's I'm that's my band. I'm I'm by the boys, <laughs> but they only had money for four. Oh, I said, well, but no, okay, anybody gets sick, I'm. So I wrote a song, Bayou Boys, their theme song, uh-huh. <laughs> Bayou Boys, and, uh, which will be on the next record, but that was to weasel in on being that. So when it came time to do the gig, they called me up and said, okay, you want to do the Blues Festival as a Bayou Boy? I said, yeah! We all brought three songs, and I brought three new ones that I wrote, and uh-huh. uh, they all brought songs, and it was uh, creative. Yeah. Um, I loved the band, and... Uh, Dan, this other guitar player, young guy, uh, had a bunch of stuff. He was doing some Funkadelic and some other things. Uh-huh. And he was the exact perfect guy for that band. I had uh-huh. not been aware of him before. I'm uh-huh. loving his playing. And so I had so much fun, I didn't even think it was a gig. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Yep. That yep. doesn't happen too often, does it? No. It took all that seriousness out of it and went back to where it's supposed to be fun. Because yeah. I wasn't the band leader. It was totally creative. <laughs> it was spontaneous in the moment. Yeah. And I loved it. So I had my own fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It was. Uh-huh. Have you been fishing? No, I have all these plans, you know. And, I, and then something comes up, and I just got vetoed on every one of my fishing plans. So oh, far. I'm going to try when I come back from Canada again. Huh. So it's, I'm still lurking out there. Toward the end of the summer, I might squeeze something in. <laughs> um. Around the Blues Festival, I, I pulled out that, uh, you know, Terry Courier and another guy uh, reissued the on, a, on CD the album from the first Rose Festival. Oh, right. Oh, uh, right. Uh, uh, blues Festival. Yep. Rosetta Blues Festival. Now, are you playing with John Lee Hooker on that? I'm not playing with him, no. Okay. No. Okay. That, see, uh, Mark Goldfarb, that was his brainchild. And uh-huh. he was like a blues historian. Uh-huh. And then a friend of mine that I went to high school with owned Aldo's Pizza. And he put up the funding. And so it was sort of like, and and Goldfarb was booking Curtis Salgado and I as a little acoustic duet in a couple Uh of places. Uh And so he thought, you know, and we'll have Curtis, and we'll each have our bands. And then Curtis's bass player, John Mazzocco, had just got off the road with John Lee Hooker. He was joining up with Curtis and tell you what. I could get John Lee Hooker. And that was, <laughs> and then we had Norman Sylvester and, and uh-huh. a lot of other great blues guys around yeah. town and filled a whole day. Yeah. And so that was the Blues Festival. <laughs> so now I've, it's been going on so long and I've done it 30 years, and now the people running the Blues Festival have never heard of me. <laughs> That's not true. Yep. I called this year. No, nobody returned a call or an email or a text or anything. Not even Pete. No idea who I am. Nope. Wow. But I had so much fun. In a way, it was it was better the way it was. Wow! I just like I just wanted to stay in touch with my community. That's yeah, all. yeah. That's wow! All. It's grown. It's grown in a very good way. And I just heard after the fact that the food bank isn't. Oh yeah, involved. They, they dropped out. That. Right. Plus the two major sponsors. Oh, I didn't know that too. Yeah, yeah. I know. See, I it almost didn't happen. I can't keep up. <clears throat> okay. Almost well, that's happen. probably why by the time I got back from they had traveling, they, they, they had people booked, they had to cancel. I get it. Because the money wasn't there yet. I'm learning stuff right here on your show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, so uh, who was in your band that, that, that time? Do you remember? Which time? Oh, the very first very time. First well, one. I had the same man for a long time. Yeah. So I'm going to guess. Um, I had a guy named Housewine, Bob Roden. We called him Housewine. Um, House? Housewine. Housewine? Housewine. He was such a good value. He was a great player, and he could take the Wait road. Wait a minute. Spell that. Like, how do you have a housewine? Oh, housewine. What's the housewine today? Okay. <laughs> so we called him housewine because he could, he could stand up to everything, you know, and 
he should have been paid a lot more. He was worth a lot more than we could make, you know. <laughs> yeah. And well, I was honored to have him in the band. He would just tear the place apart. And he was fun. He loved the road. Everything uh-huh. you're not supposed to do, he did oh. on 10 and played his ass off. So uh, really a good time in those days to be in that age and be around Housewife. Yeah. And Rudy Draco, who still plays with me, uh-huh. um, was on tenor. We had, uh, I'm, I'm guessing on some of this now, I think... It might have been Mike Klobus on drums, who I still play with. Mm-hmm. Um, i got to think about it. It was Jim Solberg on bass. That's so long ago, I'm not sure. And I still play with him now and again. So yeah. I think some people yeah. have gone and come back. Uh-huh. And I hope I'm guessing right on some of yeah. this. Yeah. But that's what I remember. Yeah. That Johnny Hooker tune just went on and on and oh, on. Oh, yeah. And Hooker on will do that. Just, they were just, just, and just saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I play with him right toward the very end. He's in the wheelchair, and his family would roll him out in the wheelchair, oh, take the oxygen. And I swear he could barely breathe in and out. And what kind of bothered me was I, I felt like they're just working him to get some more dough. Yeah, I could be wrong about that. Maybe he just wasn't alive unless he was doing his, doing his gig. But I just, it just felt like, man, you should be able to rest now. Yeah, yeah. BB did the same thing though. Rest wasn't fun. He, Right. I saw, you feel. I saw Rasan Roland Kirk after he had the stroke. Yeah. And he could play better with one hand <laughs> than most people could you know, with two. Because remember, he used to play three instruments at once. He, he oh, would that's play right. two saxophones and a nose flute at the same time. <laughs> I knew there were two saxophones and a nose flute. Yeah, and a nose flute. But I, I remember seeing him, and, uh, and he just wailed with one arm. Yeah. I mean, the use of one arm after a stroke. You know, phrasing and all that is really in your head. You see Pat Martino after coming back from the stroke? Right. Right. Crushing. Yeah, yeah. I say, you like Stevie Ray Vaughan? Go see Pat Martino after yeah. a stroke. <laughs> really? I'm serious. You'll just stand really? there with your jaw on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Going, are you kidding? It's great. <laughs> hey, when you play with these same guys that you played with 30 years ago or 50 years ago or 60 years ago, whatever it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> At the dawn of time. What's that like? You know, it's more relaxed, I think. Um, now we kind of know where we want to take it. And we kind of take it where we want to. Instead, In the earlier days, we were building it, trying it out, seeing if it'll fly, those kind of things. Now we've flown it around enough to where <laughs> we say, tonight, let's do this. Uh-huh. The drummer might say, hey, wait a minute. Just to be different, let me start it out. I go, really? <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. And we'll be glad because now we're not playing habits. It started differently. We're going to have to phrase differently. And we uh-huh. know the theme of it. We know what, where it's, how it's going to be handled as far as how it's going to end. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the journey is going to be a little different. And uh-huh. I like that. I think I'm not as nervous and not so afraid of, is this going to collapse? Are we going to make it to the end? All those <laughs> things when you're younger and you're just shooting from the hip. Yeah. And the amazing thing is that you guys still speak to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because if you're so busy doing other things in life and then you come back and go, hey, man, I haven't seen you in like five years. Yeah. Let's play. That's not what I meant. <laughs> no, we're, we're great friends. We're great friends. You know, we never you know, did fight. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's unusual, but it's good. <laughs> I mean, I might have been a mean toad because I worried about business and the road, all the problems that I shouldn't have let get to me. So I probably snipped well, at people. The, look, but the, the but thing, they were not ever mean to me. The thing is... If you're, if you're leading whatever it is, yeah. whatever creative thing it is, um, I think the people that, who are working for you give you leeway. Well, they sure do. Because if, but only if, you know what you want. And they know you know what you want. Because the worst thing you can do is not know what you want. Because yeah. then nobody nobody do anything for you. I was surprised early on to have such great players because I started the Dandelion Pub with the band doing my songs just to hear if I was nuts. Where was that? Uh, Dandelion Pub was like 21st and Burnside. Really? Yeah. Wow. wow. I can't forget. People don't know that. There's a restaurant there called Henry Teeley that had been there 100 years. Mm-hmm. And it had a huge menu from New York that was the uh, most diverse menu ever. It was a very East Coast menu. Yeah. And, uh, but the staff was all 100 years old. And it just got <laughs> to the point, I think, where... Um, it was an era past, but it was it, yeah. that place had character, and there was a mall up behind it, 
And it was a little sandwich shop that I went in and talked myself into. I said, you know, <laughs> I know you don't have music or anything, and, and you don't really aren't open at night, but what would you think of having just on a Monday night, just do a Blue Monday thing, and I want to mm-hmm. try these songs out with a horn section, and it's just to develop material. It's not a moneymaker. And the bartender said, you know, I'm a bass player. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. I'm not even going to ask anybody. Let's just do it. And I went in there on Monday nights, uh-huh. and a lot of people that work, staff that work other bars and restaurants and mm-hmm. get off work would just walk over and come in, and we'd build a nice little crowd. And they started having music every night of the week and put a little stage, and it became the happening place because it had a huge parking lot. Oh, that helps. And so we were on the map, and it was going. But I was mainly surprised at the I had uh, Gary Clinton, and he may be on that record instead uh-huh. of, he was before Housewine. Uh-huh. Gary Clinton was a feature soloist with Stan Kenton Band, and he was wow. brilliant. And I played drums before I started the Lloyd-Jones Struggle thing. I uh-huh. was a drummer for 20 years. So I met him playing drums with him. And when I said I was going to do this, I'll do it. I said, well, it doesn't pay. It's like 30 bucks. Yeah, I'll do it. And uh, <laughs> so... In, Little by little, it hit. Well, I, I, you know, I know a guy. I know a drummer. I know like that. Uh-huh. And these guys were world class players playing with me. I'm looking around. I said, "Why are you doing this? Because you got horn charts." Yeah. Glenn Holstrom, uh, yeah. just an absolute brilliant arranger. So much so that great players around uh, Mel Brown's band. Uh, uh, yeah. Everybody would have Holstrom do the arrangements. His uh-huh. arrangements were smarter than anybody's. His voicings were incredible. So a lot of bands were using Holstrom as an arranger. So Gary Clinton brought in, you know, here, and I had played with, I grew up playing drums with Glenn Holstrom in a top 40 band. And uh, so he volunteered to do the arrangements. Well, kind of, wait, wait, before you go, what kind, of, what kind of top 40 tunes did that band do? Well, in the day, what would that have been? Uh, Street Life. You that? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's a husband-wife duo, and then Holstrom played keyboards uh-huh, and ran bass, uh-huh. and they Street their drummer. Life. Wow! Something happened to the drummer, and I had a band called Brown Sugar that had been doing really well. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and I just decided I didn't want to be a band leader anymore. It <laughs> got to be uh, yeah. too much babysitting for me, and I wanted to stay friends with uh, Paul DeLay, Jim Meese, and these were my friends. And we had enormous mm-hmm. fun playing, but I was doing everything, and I just didn't want to do everything yeah. anymore. I said, why don't we stay friends? I won't be the band leader. And Holstrom calls up and said, I got this gig five nights a week, steady income for years. Whoa. You have a steady income. That's what it was. Club. There were 30 clubs in every town yeah. that paid five, six nights a week a salary, and you uh-huh. were there six months to two years at a time. Wow. Now, if you get one gig a year and you share it with the other bands for right. $5, right. that's live music today. Hey. So it was, I bought my house on back when music was a profession. And I went Glenn Holstrom. So when he, word caught out that Holstrom was arranging the horns, uh-huh. that means smart chord changes. That means the, the level of game, even mine, he kicked my ass. You know, you've got to learn this. You've got to learn this. Yeah. You've got to change your voicings and so on. So the level of game So you came were playing up. drums in that band? No, when I switched over, okay. the whole reason All I right. started the Lloyd-Jones struggle, because damn. Right. So you were, playing, <laughs> you were playing guitar in that band. I just quit making a living, and I... Yeah, started writing songs. Yeah. That was what I saw as the problem with a lot of bands is they just copied songs. Nobody had a right. voice. Nobody cared about. Right. We'll just play the songs everybody else writes. And I thought, yeah. well, you're not contributing anything. I mean, right. Who are you? Right. So that was a little weirdness about me. And I would develop these tunes. And I wanted to hear them back and see if I was crazy. And all these great players willing to jump in and do that. Wow. Made it a strong start, and I think that kept the momentum up. Another friend who saw me in the Top 40 band came to me and said, you uh-huh. need to stop doing this and go back and play blues. <laughs> and uh, he said, I'm, I'm going I'm to put money up for a recording if you get the tunes together. So oh. I went, okay. I'll, I spent a couple of years working to get there and yeah. said, okay, I got the stuff. And I didn't know how to record, so we <laughs> played them. Just like a gig, I just played yeah, one, yeah. two, three, four, right down. The, I made a song list, and I just yeah. played all the songs in a row, <laughs> one after the other live. And that was the first record. But wow. I, I got addicted to the journey, being able to be that creative. But Street Life is a pretty good song. Oh, yeah. oh I'm, I'm, <laughs> the songs were great, and the players were great. Yeah, I understand. So, uh, I understand. Uh, the guitar player went on to play with Tony Williams. Uh, Whoa. Ridiculously great players. Huh. But... Non-musicians want to hear 
Love will keep us together. Oh, wow. Well. They don't want anything heavier than that. That's not such a good song. No, but that's <laughs> the one they wanted to hear the most. Well, of course. The same. Yeah. Got to dumb it down to the, the absolute worst musical yeah. thing. Well, that's what rap is. It's not music. It's Really, if you're a musician, you go, no melody, no chord changes, not music. <laughs> it's fun if you're eight. Right. You can swear, but it's yeah. not music. No. It's Something limericks. Else. Yeah, <laughs> limericks. <laughs> <laughs> I already know that one. <laughs> but, you know, music just keeps changing, so some of that's part of the... You've got to dig deeper to find it now because there's so much access to bad that there's lots of bad. Right. And there's... If you're not a musician, I don't know what you listen to. I'd be excited about a, a, a chord alternate for the five chord, you know, a progression. Yeah. It's hard for me to realize that people listen to music and don't know it's a progression, first of all, and that they don't know that the progression resolves by the five chord and that there's a melody. You know, I mean, this is, they're not listening to the language. They're going, they were cute, they were young. They, okay, that's great. Not interested. <laughs> not interested. So the, when that really good music, you got to dig a little deeper to find. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. The satellite radio has kind of done that. Satellite radio now digs a little deeper. You, you want to hear this instead? Mm -hmm. There's a whole channel for you, and I think that right. is stepping up. So it's just yeah. Yeah. evolving. Everything's just more complicated. I don't know that that's bad. It's just more complicated. Well, it is, it is more complicated. And I'm not. <laughs> yeah. but, but I am... Fight as, as I may, I am learning, you know, and, and that's, that's the good side of it. Younger musicians that I hear, I hear some stunningly great young musicians coming up, and I go, yeah. you know, they're better than we were at that age because they're listening to more, they have right. access to learning more, and they're doing their homework. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I don't want to be the grumpy old man saying that it's not, our music was better. It's not. There's just so much more it's harder to find sometimes. Well, the thing is that, um, because of technology, people can record anything they want, and there's no filter. Yeah, you know, there's nobody going. You know, that really sucks. You know, because there's no more. There's really hardly any music journalism anymore. Exactly. You know, I was just listening, I was riding in the cab and I hear uh, uh, um, Lou Rawls. I'm going. Yeah. You couldn't get a record unless your game was at that at least right. those kind of chords, right. those kind of voices, that kind of voice, right? That level of game. Well, now you could just be a college kid yelling in the microphone, no, no clue. And and that's good and bad. No, it's bad. Well, the thing is, musically, but the thing is, there's going to be it's it's it's. I mean, it's not like you know, monkeys, a thousand monkeys typing, and eventually you know one will 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 produce something brilliant you know <laughs> it's not oh, like that oh, but but it's but it's but it's like uh you know uh, there's going to be somebody out there who is brilliant who is got has some kind of you know just record something on his phone yeah you know or her phone and 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 and, and then maybe somebody hears it where Whereas, you know, back then, you that couldn't it couldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's I mean one positive side. Absolutely, I'm with you. You know, I'm with you. But there's you. not that much of it. <laughs> well, I just kind of uh, most of us in the schools or something, some way to be able to say that. I mean, I grew up and listened to the Beatles, and there's masters of. Even today, especially as a songwriter, I go back and listen. If I fell in love with you, yeah. would you promise to be true? Wow, there's some movement. Uh -huh. And now it's well, that's fun too. But I'm just saying, it's not. It doesn't have the color. It doesn't have the movement. Uh, right. And you go back and listen. There's all their melodies really. Wow, they stand up to test of time really mm -hmm. well. <laughs> so I, I'm digging that. Were you a Beatles guy or a Stones guy? That's apples and oranges to me. I like Beatles songwriting construction. They're more melodic. Uh -huh. They're uh, more. There's more to it. Uh -huh. On the other hand, the Stones have just an irresistible groove about them. That's right. so much fun that I absolutely love that too. Yeah. 
Yeah. But they're not, they're not even trying to be the same thing. No, they were not, not even close to the same thing. I feel thing. Like I love them both the same amount uh, and almost for the, I don't want to say different reasons, but that's a, that's a real tough one for me because I really like them both. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I was pretty much a Stones guy. I was too. Yeah. But yeah. then, but let me say this about that, is yeah. that, and the Stone stuff that they own that's fantastic. And I went and saw them live several times. But when you hear them doing a Bobby Womack tune, and nobody knows it's a Bobby Womack yeah. tune, then he said, if you ever heard Bobby Womack do that, you would say, these guys got to go back to the garage and practice. <laughs> But you know, they didn't try to. They didn't try to deliver it on those terms. They they were sticking the tongue out at you with a smile, and it yeah. was fun. You know who did a, a great the, the uh, one of the the best Bobby Womack I've ever heard, other than Bobby Womack, was Curtis when he did "What You Gonna Do." Sure, I'm with you there. Too. I'm there. I'm. I, I I think that's that's that equals Bobby Womack's version. Well, I think in some ways I like it better than Bobby Womack's version. The thing about, to me, the thing about that is that Curtis loves that stuff so much, and yeah. he spent the time yeah. getting detail. He's got such a good ear uh-huh. that the slightest little flutter you'll hear in Sonny Boy, other people will yell the lyrics. Yeah. Curtis will get that little flutter at that little time. And when he uh-huh. gets Bobby uh-huh. Womack, yeah. he can tell you Bobby Womack's catalog, obscure <laughs> stuff, things he recorded with other people, he, and he can <laughs> sing it. He can probably tell you Bobby Womack's cat's name. Yeah, yeah. but his joy, his thrill and joy and love of yeah. music yeah. is what makes that blossom. Yeah, yeah. Do you do any covers anymore? Yeah. Who do you do? Yeah. It changes all the time. Right now, I just uh, it, it, this seems backwards, but I'm uh, doing. Please send me someone to love because oh, I'm mm-hmm. watching a detective show. And the guy gets put yeah. in the. He's, he's, they're going to put him in the electric chair, and he asks for oh. a piano. And before they put him in the electric chair, he plays that tune. And went, oh, wow! Oh, 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 oh man, <laughs> so, that's that's great. And I heard somebody else do it after seeing that. Uh-huh. And it just got on my mind. Oh, and then this lady came, requested it. And I, I just had these other experiences with the tune. Uh-huh. So I just ran home, and, and, and that's on the yeah. top of my pile right this yeah. moment. I, per- I was per- playing it before I came here. Percy Mayfield? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. You know who I, I, I heard that's a great version of that? It was Fred Neal. Remember oh, Fred I, Neal? No. Fred Neal was this really weird guy who was a big figure in the, in the, uh, in the scene in, the, in, in Greenwich Village during the folk era. And he played a 12-string, and he had this, like, really deep, big voice. Yeah. And um, he was, he, he ran a couple of, I don't mean managed, I mean he ran the music in several clubs in the village. It was like, when Dylan got there, he couldn't get on stage unless he went through Fred Neal. Okay? Whoa. And um, he does an amazing version of Please Send Me Somebody to Love. Really? Yeah. Now I'm intrigued. Fred, Fred Does that go into the? But he had this really big voice, you know. All right. And um, big voice with the twelve string. Yeah, you know, so I love that. It even bigger, you know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's a, what a great song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and, and now, yeah, I'll take a song apart and put it back together in every key. I'll uh-huh. I'll try it open strings with acoustic, and then I'll try yeah. it. Where I can dig in and scream uh, uh, yeah. with the guitar electric with the band, and uh-huh. until I find uh-huh. several places for it to sit. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I'm I'm really having fun with that one. And Percy Mayfield, I mean, you know, the stuff he went through. Oh, it was there a, you go. A car accident, disfigured his face, and yeah. he was a handsome man before that. Yes. And, and talk about the blues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. And all the great songs. I mean, you, he, wrote hit, he wrote Hit the Road, Jack. That's what I'm saying. When you're writing yeah. songs, that, when Ray Charles is coming yeah. to you for songs, <laughs> yeah. you're writing good songs. He <laughs> <laughs> yes. got that right. <laughs> and you know he came to it more than once. You know, right. he, does a bunch of, right. he does a bunch of Bruce Mayfield. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do River's Invitation on the gig. You know, when, yeah. That's another cover of his. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to do that? When? You're going to do that song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, see, every, now, there's one thing I can say is on a regular basis, every Monday, and I'm surprised a lot of people don't know this, but I play just a solo acoustic every Monday night at a little place called the Muddy Rudder. I've been there. And it's like a house. You know, it's oriental rugs and right. a fireplace. There's right. no pool tables. There's no television. Mm-hmm. It's about people. It's about people. Yeah. 
Uh, great food, yeah. great microbrews. They change all the time, yeah. but the vibe is really good for acoustic music. Sometimes Curtis shows up. Yeah, Curtis comes in quite a bit. Yeah, this is a funny one that Curtis would call and say, "Hey, I, I got this new little amp. I want to. Can I come in? And, can, can I come in and sit in?" I said, "Curtis, you don't have to ask." <laughs> and, uh, but he's that way, and uh, uh -huh. he comes in. And two other harmonica players came in, wanted to sit in. I said, "Well, you might just hold off for a little bit. You might want to listen to the guy who's going to play first. <laughs> and they were upset that, that I was going to let somebody else play in front of them. <laughs> did they put their harmonicas away and go home after that? Well, one did. <laughs> and then the other one went outside until it was over. And cried. No, he just, he just <laughs> didn't listen. Oh, man. And, uh, and Curtis, of course, Curtis listens is why he's a good player, why he's a good singer. Mm -hmm. Not because he has a bunch of chops, it's because he listens. And... You feel it right away when you're playing. He's connecting. Mm -hmm. He's staying out of your way. And then he's answering. Um, mm -hmm. All these things that make it a team. The other guys waited outside, didn't get it, came in and played the same old harmonic cliche you know you're going to hear way too loud right on top of the vocals. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> but uh, normally I'll do the, the first set myself and then I'll have guests a little bit. Yeah. But it's still acoustic. It's not a big band or anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what kind of guitar do you use? <laughs> People look with at this the, thing with and go, oh, Lord, he needs a guitar. Yeah. It's an old Martin. It's a 1961 yeah. Martin, um, and it's pretty beat up, yeah. but I just love it. How long have you had it? Well, I've had it probably since maybe 78. Wow. I've had it a long time, and it's at one point I wore the frets off of it, and <laughs> it was going down below the wood, you know, and oh, I took man. it in to be fixed. Now, I bought it beat up a long time ago for about $700, and, uh, and that's cheap for a Martin, but I could afford it. And I finally broke down. I went to have frets put on it. I saved up $300 to have a new fret job in, and they said $1,800 to refret it because you have to steam the neck off the body and on oh, and on. Man. And it's got cracks in it and everything else. But, well, could you just get the frets on there for now? And so for about 800 they got the frets on it. And at first I said, just a minute, I'll be right back. And I went to two or three other music stores, and I tried out stuff. And I went, you know, they got the $149 one, and then they got the $6,000 one. But there's not a lot of gray area there as far as if you do it for a living and you want it to, yeah. you're going to put a lot of miles on it. So, And I don't, all the expensive ones are real pretty and lots of varnish, and that doesn't help either. So I thought, well, I know I like this. I'll just go ahead with it. And I had things done, and as soon as I got it back, I was glad. So I, that's just my, that's my rig. Wow. And it works. Nice. How many guitars do you own? It's getting worse. <laughs> I've never had many, and now as times have changed, and I'm learning other styles and other things. Yeah. Uh, I got a steel body that I am really growing into. Wow. Um, and then I got a bunch of projects. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> describe them that I'm hoping they'll take form soon. Uh, I've got a just a Japanese reissue Strat that I bought a while back because mm -hmm. I could afford it and a guy made me a guitar. A Strat. And I don't, do you know Frank Goldwasser, Paris Slim? Yeah, him? sure. So we were guitar-aholic friends and he lives by my house <laughs> and I'd always find something on Craigslist and take it over there and not like it and want to sell it. And he'd help me put it on eBay, and we'd do this <laughs> all the time. And one day I go over there, and he's got a hollow Telecaster. Wow. I said, where'd you get that? He said, from your friend. I said, what, what do you mean? That guy that's building your guitar. I said, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> and I can't afford it. No, you know, that guy that's building your guitar. I said, first of all, <laughs> it's going to cost a fortune. I can't afford it. B, I don't know that I'm going to like it after it's all, all done. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, he'll be in in a little while. I told him what you want. So a guy comes into my gig with a Strat. What I wanted was a Riviera, uh -huh. uh, but I, I'm used to a Strat. He said, so he built a Gibson guitar hiding in a Fender Strat. It's a Gibson <laughs> scale neck. Uh -huh. It has Gibson pickups. It's wired, so the all the buttons and everything look just like a Strat, <laughs> but it's wired to the pickups like a Gibson. Yeah. And it's hollow, but it doesn't look like it. And it weighs nothing. And it also feels worn in. The neck is all like it's, like it's 40 years old. It's, wow. You're going, what? Just worn out wood. It's just no finish on it. And I played it for about two minutes and went, yeah, you got me. How much do I owe you? And he says, you can make payments. <laughs> wow. So I did. And I just worn the thing out. I love it. Is that your go-to? So that's my main, my main electric guitar. Yeah. So the Martin and that are kind of my two mains. 
Wow. Then I have all these projects we won't go into. <laughs> <laughs> that I hope will be ready in about a month. Two that I'm, you know, putting different pickups on. And Do you ever get behind a drum kit anymore? No, a little bit. I did get a call to play a Zynigo gig. Really? Which I thought was hilarious. And I said, I promise I won't play any fills. <laughs> and you can fire me at any time. And they said, no, there's going to be drums there. You just show up. I said, are you sure you want to do this? I haven't touched <laughs> drums in 20 years. <laughs> well, we will if you will. I had a ball. Who I didn't was the realize band? there was stuff still in there. Who was the band? Oh, what's the name of it now? It's, uh, Is that the one with... Uh, I think Steve Karen was, yeah, yeah, was yeah, yeah. in it, but it wasn't what... Right. He, he's in a couple bands, and I, I wish know. I could remember. He's in a million bands. <laughs> but they also had a squeeze box guy. Really? And, and the old-style squeeze box. And they did all Zydeco stuff, and I never had so much fun. So I'd do that gig again. I never <laughs> called back. <laughs> you ever, ever played rub board? Pardon? Have you ever played the rub board? Yeah, way back. Did you? Know, yeah, yeah. Is that fun? Yeah. Yeah. Then you got to get all the things that go on there, the clank and bang and oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, cymbals yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I yeah. saw, if all things in Denmark, this little walking uh, area where there's shops and, and uh, you can you know, buy stuff, <clears throat> but they had a live band, and it was a Dixieland band. Huh. My dad played Dixieland trumpet. Uh-huh. Whew, they were great. Yeah. And that guy had a rub board, uh-huh. and he had all these attachments, more than I've ever seen on a rub board, but he was serious. <laughs> I remember walking down the street in uh, uh, New Orleans one time, and I heard this stuff come out of a club, and there was this guy named Washboard Chaz. You ever hear of him? No. Well, he was, sounds familiar, he was though. Play, and he was playing a washboard. I mean, yeah. a real washboard. Yeah. But he had, a bells, had bells on it and this and that. Yeah. And it was great. I mean, he had regular gigs in New Orleans. And then years later, I come in, I'm sitting here with Mary Flower. And I go, you know, I saw this guy one time in New Orleans named Washboard Chaz. And she said, oh, I used to play with him all the time in Denver. That's great. <laughs> That's great. And the thing about that is you, gotta, you, he, he, you, know, you hit that bell at just, at just a precise time. And it just it kills you. It just kills you, the audience. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Wow! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh... <laughs> we had a great Washboard player for years. Billy, Billy Holtz, he was mm-hmm. the guy. Yeah. And we had a, a really good jug band, actually world-renowned, and he was the guy. And you were would, in a jug band? And he would just set the place afire. No, there was a really good jug band oh. in Portland back Fritz, in the, in the uh, 60s. Fritz, what's his name? Fritz. Well, now Fritz played back east. Yeah. And, and was with uh, the... Quaskin. Yes. And I did get to play with him ah. a couple of times. He introduced... Richmond. Me. Fritz Richmond? Fritz Richmond. Yeah. He engineered the first Bonnie Raitt record. And we wound up playing with Bonnie Raitt at at, uh, Roseland. She had lost her label, her agency, and she was playing a duo with Johnny Lee Shell, just the two of them. Wow. She did Who Take the Man with the Skinny Legs? I'll never forget. (laughs) She just killed. But uh, Fritz said, Bonnie and I go way back, really good friends. You want to open for her? And just him playing Wash Tub and me, Uh and then her. uh, And I just loved meeting Fritz and Bonnie and learning a lot of history through the two of them. And then he died, and he was yeah. rode his bike all the time. He's a health yeah. nut. Yeah. And he, just, he, he was one of the engineers on the recording for the Rose City Blues Festival I didn't album. know that. Yeah. Well, that's great. Okay, I feel better It's a now. very small world. It's getting there, isn't it? It's like, it's like you were mentioning John Hyatt. Yeah. And uh, there's a guy I know that I, I knew when, when I was in Baltimore, and he was a, he was a news guy on the radio, and I was, uh, I was, I had my career in Baltimore doing all kinds of shit, right? And uh, so we found each other again on Facebook. He's now a musician in L.A., right? Yeah. And we just got, we're just, we're going back and forth on Facebook last week. And it turns out he and I went to the same high school. And he, I don't know how it came up, but he remembered that I was in the school play of The Importance of Being Earnest. Oh, stop. And, stop right now. And, and, and during the rehearsals, one of the female leads, like, they, they were making out, right, you know, during the rehearsal, behind, you know, off, off stage, right? And they were talking about, and, then she, and he told me who she was, and I said, hey, listen, she's on Facebook. She's really weird. She's had a very strange life. And went back, and we both looked, and she had been married to John Hyatt. 
No kidding. <laughs> it's, it's a very Is this a fun small, world or what? Very, very small world. <laughs> That's a pretty good story. I know. I That's a pretty good and story. She, she was still so hot. Well, <laughs> there's... There's the crux of the whole thing. I'll tell you, yes, absolutely. That was, got all that But uh, he did say that his story with her didn't have a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. Well, that just probably a lot of, of songs came out of it. Just sort of, just sort of left him backstage in a state. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, Lordy, that's cruel. Very funny. All dressed up with no place to go. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. How long are we going to do this? I don't know. It's your show. Oh, uh, it is? Okay. So it's not on the radio. How do the people, what, what kind of waves do they it's get? It's on this? Oregon Music News. It'll be on Oregon Music News. Okay. And, uh, you know, we're on SoundCloud and we're on iTunes and we're on um, TuneIn, all wow. those podcast aggregators. So that's these things, this computer thing. I've heard. It's recording. I've heard so much about these it's things. It's a piece of uh, software. How do they, then this closes and opens? Opens and closes, and and and, and, plug into and, the wall? and and well, it's it's kind of like uh, a David Cronenberg movie. I can reach inside it with my hand and pull its guts out. Does it work off the sun? <laughs> Where do you I feed? wish it did. What do you feed it? I, I have to feed it every night, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems like oh my. My cat is jealous. It's so scary. It is scary. Very scary. Especially if something happened. And we lost the entire thing. Well, once we, <laughs> once we told our cat that that was a mouse, a cat loves it. Uh, my cat's only interested. Uh, she'll sit on the, on the table next to my desk, but only because on the shelf above is where her, I keep her treats. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah the priorities are pretty clear there. Yeah. Hey, man. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, it's, it's always, always good fun. to talk I with mean, you. We, 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 we just there's not enough on. beatniks left in the world, so I don't <laughs> like sure. coming down talking with you. <laughs> Remember when girls started ironing their hair? Are you old enough for that? Ironing their hair? Well, I yeah. thought that was a high school thing, but I'm not... Well, but it was, they were beatniks. They were beatnik girls. They ironed their hair. Beatnik girls yeah. did. Does that hurt? I don't think so. You, 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 you iron your hair. If you squeeze if you squeeze your hair real hard, it doesn't hurt, right? Iron <laughs> if you pull hair. it, it hurts, but not if you just squeeze it. I can see how that didn't catch on. No, no, no. The funny thing was, uh, this week was the 30th anniversary of the, the premiere of the movie Hairspray, which is in Baltimore, John Waters' movie. And Pia Zadora plays the beatnik chick. Oh, sure. In that. Absolutely. And there's, an iron, there's a scene where she irons her hair. i got to go back and check that out. Tell I remember it, but I didn't really yeah. sit down and dig yeah, on it. I'll yeah, have to get more yeah. involved. <laughs> <laughs> and they had a big, uh, they had a big um, reunion. Yeah. And she was there. Pia Zero was actually there. Interesting. <laughs> What's her hair look like now? Oh, it's, well, she's a bottle blonde now. But you can iron that, too, probably. Yeah. Okay. But in, in the movie, she had, she had like, long share-like sh- share hair. Okay. And I sure looked like she ironed her hair. All right. Don't you think? I have no idea. I can't keep up on you stuff know, like that. You know, and the thing about that is, you know who I've, she has never, Cher has never talked about that I've ever heard is Harold Baptiste from New Orleans. What about Harold Baptiste? He produced all the Sonny and Cher records. Oh, yeah. That's, he brought I'm, all his cats from New Orleans. He brought, all New he brought Earl yet. Palmer from New Orleans. Oh, he brought sure. Melvin Lasty, the great trumpet player from Dr. New Orleans. Yeah. Hey, but Mac was there. He yep. was in those records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd like to be a a fly on the wall then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I did get to meet Earl Palmer. Yeah. I did get to meet him. I saw him play. I didn't get to meet him, but I saw him. him. Well, he was a very old man when I saw him. Same here. Yeah, I went to the first um, Ponderosa Stomp. In New Orleans, which is a thing they have during during, uh, Jazz Fest week or the week. So what year? 2000, 2001, Mm -hmm. 2001, I think. Okay. And uh, they had a re- they reunited the Dave Bartholomew's band. Now, did they have Eddie Bow on piano? Uh, I'm not sure if Eddie Bow was there, but it was uh, it was uh, Bartholomew was there. Oh my! Sitting in the corner was Cosimo Bata- Really? Batassa. Okay. I Sitting over it. here at the table was oh, Alan, that's Alan Toussaint. Yeah. And Earl Palmer couldn't play a lot, but he I mean he got up and, and played a few tunes. 
uh, and, and he was replaced by uh, 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 um, a David Russell Batiste, drummer, great drummer, yeah, junior. And um, all his cats were there, Herb Harvesty. I mean, you know, the, the, the cats were, that were still living, were, were, they were all there. It was like, I, 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 I was speechless. Well, I, now, was this an old house? Because I saw this, a lot of what you're talking about, about that time in an old house out in the neighborhood, and I've had a big front porch, and I was sitting up on the front porch. It was kind of like a house, but it was more like a... It had balconies on the inside. I think, I think, were you there? Yes. <laughs> yes, and I didn't have enough dough to go in, and a friend of mine dropped me off, and I was just sitting on the porch. Wow. And this woman comes out. Um, just blathering with a yeah. hurricane in her hand, sitting down at the table, uh-huh. goes off about how she was being accused of reaching in the tip jar and stuff, and she oh, never do that, and on and on. <laughs> then she just says, talking to herself, she says, and she looks at me and says, well, I, I can't be drinking this, I'm working. And she, you want this? And she drops the hurricane off and goes back in. So I'm sitting there. Yeah. His brother's sitting out on the steps, smoking yeah. a cigar. And I said, oh, man, what you got there? It smells good. And he goes, you want a cigar? <laughs> well, yeah, sure. He gives me a cigar. Two cops pull up on adjacent corners of gravel parking lot. They park their motorcycle, yeah. t- get off the motorcycle, turn on the radio, and they're dancing in the parking lot wow. to the radio on their motorcycle. I thought, only in New Orleans. <laughs> now, as I'm sitting there, Alan Toussaint walks out. Comes down the stairs talking to these two brothers on the And on looking the so good. Looking very Just fine. looking good. All dressed fine. And yeah. he says, I'll be right back. And he goes down and gets his convertible and comes back, parks right in front, <laughs> goes up and gets his lady. Huh? She comes out the front door, he takes his coat off, puts over her shoulders, escorts her down, opens the door, <laughs> and they drive off, wave. Wow. And I was yeah. going, man, he's yeah. all the gentleman you ever heard. Oh, yeah. He's really yeah. Cool. And the guy at the door is talking to some other people saying, yeah, you know, it's, I don't know what to tell you. And the guy says, well, we went to see Earl King, and yeah. we went to Jazz Fest and everything just to see him, and he, he wasn't there. No. And they were all didn't know where he was. Yeah. And I heard him, and I said, excuse me, I, I, I did the same thing. Did you hear if he's if he's ill or if he's all right? I I, I worked with him for three years yeah. and uh, treasured friend, and that's the first person I wanted to go see when I got uh-huh. down here. But I couldn't find him either. And the doorman says, "You a musician?" I said, yeah. <laughs> Did you want to come in and hear this music? I went, "Yeah." And they let me in with my <laughs> hurricane and my cigar. Let me in. Wow. <laughs> and I go in, and the first thing I see is Earl Palmer's playing drums at oh, Eddie Boy playing oh, piano. Yeah, and I yeah, went yeah, up the yeah, stairs yeah. on the balcony. I could look down on yeah. the piano and see yeah. Eddie Boy's hands. Yeah. And Earl Palmer. <laughs> it was amazing. It was the most magical night I've ever been. I've ever spent listening to music. Yeah, it had been their eighties, and they played like they were. Twice. Right. 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 And 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 Dave Bartholomew was just as loud as he ever was. See, now I, I didn't see him. He was there. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah. Blaring out on that trumpet? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's a tenor player, just a tenor player, while I was there. Oh, was it Herb? Think it was Herb Hardesty? Because I know he was there. See, I didn't know who it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'll never forget that night. But just, no, just thinking, how did I stumble into this? I'll never. Well, forget. I knew it, I knew it was that it was happening. I went there on purpose to to because you know they said um, well they said who was going to be there and I just lost my mind yeah. and I was I was there with a friend of mine and we were both losing our minds we just there was a, well, you say uh, it's two, it was two thousand because I think it I think it was later than that that well, I was it might have been two thousand one uh, could have been two thousand two I don't know anyway but you look over and see Cosimo Matassas in now there. I didn't know I'd love to have seen him yeah he, he was just a little old guy that's yeah. all you know I mean, saying, I know, but still but a legend you're like uh, yeah, 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 yeah yeah saw the human yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know to you know, to, you know he, he saw it all yes yeah he saw it all yeah, he was, oh, that he was there for everything like James Booker experience in that studio that kind of stuff oh god yeah 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 <laughs> wow all right, man. Yeah, this is fun. Thank you so much for inviting me okay. to your your hub of of delight. You got anything we can play to go out on? On my person? No, I mean like you could send me. Is there, you have any any? I mean, I have regular music to go out on, but if there's something that you would like us to go out on, some piece of music of yours. You can just send it to me. Okay. And we'll make it a surprise. Okay. All right, man. Thanks. Thank you so much. What a delight. Thank you so much. This is a great show. Baby, I'm through.
Dancing 